From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. Welcome back to Little Cuts, um, our episode where we dig into the things that we've been playing and are watching recently. Boy, changes. Uh, I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth, and we will explain that in a moment. Incredible. Uh, this week, we're chatting about Weird Girls, uh, the girl with the holes in her memory, a horror fiction podcast, the best Metroid, the best Metroidvania in a long time. Dungeon Recipes, and Bruce LaBruce says, hold my beer. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> it's always funny when we have to change, like, dialogue, and we have, like, we have a script for some of it so that, you know, we can keep going, and it's just, it becomes second nature, and you're just like, okay, this is what we're doing, but yeah. we're switching things up a little bit. Yes, we are. So health. I, yeah, so if anyone follows me on the internet and has seen, like, a couple of my tweets, uh, I was in the hospital last week for something uh still playing a fun game of and i need to just like slow down a little bit because apparently my health uh is not the best um but it is not the worst either so we're making just like a couple god damn it like give me this fucking like heartfelt speech about my goddamn health and fucking god damn it how did you hear any of that nope hell yeah cool (laughs) cool 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 uh, all right, hold on. Let me just close out some more stuff on my computer. Yeah, you're, okay. you're really, like, pixelated and, like, you f- keep pausing on the video side. So I think maybe the upload or something is, is messy. Yeah. Know. All right. Well, I just closed a bunch of shit on my computer, so maybe that'll help. Basically, if you've been following me on social media, you've seen that I've been dealing with some health stuff as of late. Um, I had to go to the hospital last week. I don't know what's going on. I'm trying to figure it out. Um, and just trying to prioritize my health right now um, and mental health and physical health. So we're going to be making just like a little change where we are now going to do little cuts as our Monday episode every other week. So there'll be two main episodes a week or two a month and then two little cuts a month. Um, this isn't a permanent thing, but just for right now, 
between my health and some scheduling stuff, um, it just is going to be a little bit easier on us for right now um, just to change the format just a teensy bit. Not forever, just while I kind of get my health back in order. Yeah, so the health and then also like um, I'm very stressed out right now with uh, work stuff, other things. So like it's just it's um, we have to take a little bit step back, but we both love Little Cuts and we have some of our audience that really, really, really love Little Cuts. We have some of our audience that really, really love the main feed and we have some of the audience that loves both and we don't want to give up any of it. So this is sort of like our way of trying to, for the next bit, ease things out a little bit. So, Yeah, because independently producing a podcast is incredible and I'm so glad we do it, but it's a lot of work and we mm-hmm. have you know, other jobs we have to do on top of that. And it just, you know, after five years, it's just like, it's still hard, but it doesn't mean anything. Cause we're still going to keep fucking doing it forever. Cause it's the best. Just making some changes for right now for our bodies and our minds. Um, and we appreciate you all. Everyone who has sent me a nice thing on the internet about whatever is going on with me. You are very sweet and kind, and I appreciate you very much, and we love and appreciate all of you for listening and being flexible. I know the last year I have been inconsistent with, because all of my crazy shit in my life, but that's cool. Uh, so I we just appreciate y'all's patience and flexibility and just keeping on listening to us, because we love doing this. Mm-hmm. And we this hope is our baby. listening. This is our baby. And it's my... It's my time to talk to Terry, too, every week. I talk to Terry more than I talk to my own family, so. Same. <laughs> uh, all yeah. right. So that's that's the update. Um, also, Terry, I'm speaking this on you as a very quick surprise. Okay. I would like to introduce a very quick, brief new segment to Little Cuts called Mary Beth's Favorite TikTok Animal of the Week. Okay. Um where I share my favorite animal because I saw the cutest cat in the fucking world today on TikTok and I have to share. And I just think it's fun. Um, I have sent this cat to you before. Her name is Junie. Uh, the at is Concrete Crotch Kiss, which is my fucking favorite handle of all time. The best. Um, she's an incredible young woman who has Junie, a ragdoll cat, who is perhaps the cutest cat on the planet. Okay, yep. Um, she... She's a ragdoll who literally is a ragdoll, like a ragdoll, like always has her tongue out. And like Purpurina says in the chat, looks just like a stuffed animal. She really does. But my favorite thing she does is she will hide and jump out at her owner and her owner's partner to scare them. Um, So if you want your heart to be full there's a really good video for her birthday, which is Valentine's Day, and her owner threw her a Valentine's Day birthday party, and Aww. all of her girlfriends came over, and there's, like, slow-mo video of them throwing rose petals on her. And let me just tell you, all of my ailments for the past week have been have just been eliminated. So, please go follow Concrete Crotch Kiss, which is, again, incredible at Beautiful. for a cat account, um, for more of Junie, the most hilariously cartoonish cat ever to exist. I love it. And that concludes Mary Beth's TikTok animal corner. 
I have a slight one to add since we're since I like this. I have one <gasps> yay! to add. Yay! Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I have been following for the last like year. Um, his name is Bowser. It's Bowser B, and he is a a beehive keeper, and he goes deep into like all of his like bees and talks about the hierarchy and about like the Game of Thrones esque way in which queens murder their siblings in order to stay in power, and just every every episode is just like an interesting little factoid about bees that he raises. And it's just, it's delightful. It's just delightful. It sure is. That's just our, our little corner, but on the, uh, the movies and entertainment side, let's talk about weird girls. Weird girls. Um, so I recently saw the incredible new film, Zelda, Zelda, Lisa Frankenstein, um, which everyone is being very weird about on the internet. And I loved it very much as I knew I would. And I was very glad to be proven, uh, correct about how I would feel about this, uh, feel about this movie. Um, so this is directed by Zelda Williams and who is the daughter of Robin, the late Robin Williams and written by Diablo Cody, who did of course, Jennifer's body and Juno. Um, and as you can expect with, uh, Diablo Cody, the dialogue is absolutely incredible. Incredibly, very heightened and stylized. Does not feel necessarily like like what how people would normally speak to each other. However, um, it's fine because it's Diablo Cody, and it is a beautiful story of a young woman named Lisa who essentially goes on a fun hijinks uh set of hijinks with her reanimated friend turned uh, corpse boyfriend. With Catherine Newton as Lisa and Cole Sprouse as the creature, which is incredible. And it's not a, a lot of what people are saying about it that I also said was that it is not a perfect movie by any means. I know that there are quite a few flaws to this movie. However, I think that makes the movie all the more endearing and genuine in what it is trying to be. I think what I love so much about this movie is that it is so incredibly genuine. Um, And I... (sighs) There's something that we you miss in a lot of horror like i miss in a lot of horror movies which is this kind of like genuine heart and i know that you think with like horror you want it to be terrifying and scary and i love that but there are sometimes you want like a horror movie that feels warm and lisa frankenstein just feels very warm to me it feels like a warm hug because i was kind of like this weird girl in high school and this is the kind of movie where i'm like hell yeah i would have loved to have this as a teen it's it feels, even though this is, takes place in the 80s, it still kind of resonates for, you know, weird girls, horror girls, goth girls, or not even girls, like anyone who kind of doesn't fit in. And it just meant a lot to me as someone who did not grow up with seeing a ton of that in, like, theaters and in her, like, horror education. Um I keep describing it as, like, gothic literature meets uh, 16 Candles mm-hmm. um, slash 16 Candles meets Edward Scissorhands. Have you seen this, Terry? Yeah, I saw it this last weekend. Okay. How, 
did you th- what did you think about it? As I just um, like went on like a rant about how much I loved it. Sorry. No, I I enjoyed it. Um I I do think it's I do think it's very uneven. I agree that it it makes it a little bit more endearing, but for me, I think it takes a little too long to get to the the plot of what's actually happening for me. And there are moments that I was like dying of laughter. And then it, it sort of just reminded me some of the other parts that weren't necessarily working for me. So I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, my friends loved it. It just, um, it was, it was uneven, but I think the script is really good. I really like Diablo Cody script. Um, so I, I really enjoyed it. I, I so I'm sort of like I'm in the middle. Um, not necessarily the the highest of highs, but I had a great time at it, and it was it was fun. And I want to see more of this kind of stuff. I'm a little sad that it seems to not be doing so hot at the box office, but I will say that there was a a group of teenage. I think they're teenage. They're either teenager, like high school or college. Um, a group of girls behind me, and they were eating it up. So I think it'll find its audience. It just might take a little bit. I think so too. I'm like I'm I am like bummed to feel and see that um it's getting like the Jennifer's body's treatment a little bit. It's just like kind of annoying that we're not broken we haven't like broken out of this cycle um mm-hmm. at all. You know what I mean? And like, you know, it's hard not to compare the two, but you know. Yeah. I do think they're similar ish. Yeah. Yeah, they are. I I do. I think my biggest complaint is that there were. I, I feel like this movie was was a R rated movie that they had to like pull back on because they knew they had to make it PG thirteen. And so there are yeah. some moments that really surprised me because it was a PG thirteen movie. But then I was like, oh, I wish. We're, since we're pushing that envelope, I wish it was pushed a little bit further. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I definitely do. Um. There's oh, some yeah. moments. I mean, like. <laughs> There's one moment where I was like, I love cinema. Um, uh-huh. Same. Same. Uh, yeah. I just, I love it. I love that it's kind of messy. And I just am very glad that a movie like this exists and got, I'm bummed it didn't do well in the box office, but I'm very happy it had such like a marketing campaign behind it and that like a movie like this was getting so much attention and marketing in 2024. Like, I know everyone's going to be like, it didn't, it flopped. But like, I don't know. Financially, yes, but I think it's really important like culturally and zeitgeistily for it to be getting the attention that it is. I think once this it hits streaming, I'm, this is why I'm bad at budgeting because I'm like budget culturally and like that. I yeah, that doesn't, but that doesn't translate to money, and that's why. But that is why you don't put me on the business side of things. That's why you put me on the creative side, and someone else mm-hmm. can tell me what to do. But yeah. anyway, I, yes, think, I do think once it hits streaming, <laughs> it will. I think it will find its audience. I really do. And like I tweeted of like a. I love when my like pretentious film Twitter reviews on like that I like send out after seeing a movie do well. And I tweeted my like little review and it's like people like all of these people. I don't know anyone whatever on Twitter. Like I love this movie. It's so good. Or like, I can't wait to see this. So there's obviously an appetite for it. 
I like you said, I think when it hits streaming, that's when it'll really, I think, get the attention. Uh, yeah, that is a Coke top layer purpurina. It's my favorite way to consume soda. Yeah. Uh, Coke Tall Boys from 7-Eleven. Perfect. It's the perfect amount. <laughs> um, okay, but continuing with Weird Girls, the girl with the holes in her memory. Tell me yeah. some more about that. So this is my little cheeky nod because this is a, sh- a TV show that has um, Numi uh, Rapace in it. So, you know, girl, the dragon tattoo girl, you know, with the holes in her in her memory so (laughs) maybe that's not oppressed (laughs) anyway (laughs) this is um the new apple tv show that is um coming out on the 21st uh so a, a week like this the week that this episode is going to pop now i gosh it's it's taking me a little bit of time to realize that. Um, But this is called Constellation, and it is another uh, sci-fi TV show from Apple. Apple is killing it on the sci-fi front, in my opinion, between Invasion and Foundation and For All Mankind and um, The Monarch Show, and now this. They're really killing it with sci-fi. And this starts with um, Joe, an astronaut. She is played by Numi. And she is up in space and something like there so it starts off and she's in space. She's like, you know, video calling with her daughter on Earth and showing her around the, the ISS space station. And then something hits it, hits the space station and ends up killing one person. And the whole place is starting to fall apart and the first few episodes is sort of she's ends up getting stuck up there alone. She sees something outside. The thing that she says hits the, the constellation is impossible to have hit the constellation. No one believes her. And so it's following that. And then her return home where she is struggling to remember things and things that she thought she knew aren't true for something small as like the car, the color of her car she thought was blue and it's red. Um, and there's a bunch of these little tiny things that are happening in her life that she is, is having holes in her, in her memory. Meanwhile, her kid seems to be experiencing something bizarre. And then, um, there's also a former astronaut played by Jonathan Banks, um, from Breaking Bad fame. And he is also experiencing something. And there was some kind of experiment happening on the ISS before, shit went bad and so it's sort of a mystery kind of interlocking all of these little uh pieces of who knows what's going on to create sort of like a a puzzle box of a of a tv show i kind of know where it's going i think i've only seen the first four episodes uh they're going to premiere three on the 21st and but even though i kind of see the direction it's going i'm very enthralled in what is happening i think it's very it's very interesting and it's very compelling. Um, so yeah, that's Constellation. Cool. I haven't heard anything about this. <laughs> yeah, I uh, at all. I, there was a trailer that I saw, and then I don't. It doesn't feel like it's getting. 
the attention that a lot of shows get. I've seen some reviews, but I literally had to Google reviews. I was like, has anyone, I was like, wait, can I talk about this? Um, and I, I can, and I have seen a couple reviews of it, but, um, it doesn't seem to be getting the attention that I kind of expected it would. It's a very nice looking series too. It is, it looks really good, which is par for the course for a lot of Apple stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they are doing a lot of sci-fi. They They're are. really leaning into, like, space shows. Yeah. Yeah. They must and have a lot of money. I mean, it's You know, <laughs> like, I'm just saying. I feel like they have a lot of money to be doing a lot of these outer space shows. A, a lot of, you know, practical and CG effects. Like, a lot. So, that's not cheap. And it looks really good, unlike some shows produced on Disney, among others. It looks really good. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's enthralling. I, I, I haven't seen all the episodes. I believe there's ten. Um, there's either eight or ten. I cannot remember how many. There's eight. So I've seen half of them. Um, and I'm very interested to see where it's going to go. And I would recommend, if you have Apple TV, to watch it when it premieres on the 21st. So that's Constellation. Apple's just killing it. I feel like a shill, but their I stuff know. is really working for me. Apple TV, sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't really have to do much. Terry already watches all your shit. I do. I do. And, you know, it's a th it's like, yeah, I... I'm really enjoying their, the stuff they're putting out. It reminds me of sort of the golden age of um, like HBO back before. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All One right. day I'll watch the things you recommend on Apple TV. I'm so sorry. <laughs> There's too many things to watch in this universe. I know. I, I really, honestly, if I could get people to watch For All Mankind so they can talk to me about this show, that would be the one that makes my day, to be perfectly honest, because that show is just amazing. Did I, did I hear that it dropped off in quality, though? Um, I think the last season, uh, this last season, cut a lot of things that I really liked about the previous three, but I did think it was still an enthralling um, piece of sci-fi. But it, it definitely, okay. I don't think, was... I don't think it's up to the same level as the first three, but there are some really fantastic moments in it that made me actually cry. So hit or miss, but uh, the first three seasons in particular, are just perfect. Um, switching gears. Let's talk about a horror fiction podcast. Is this the one you asked me if I'd listened to? Yes. Um, because I have been in a hole listening to this podcast and I, so I am not, Purpurina, I'm so sorry, I am not a big horror fiction podcast because you have to really pay attention to them and I am not, I don't really drive, so I am not good at listening to them often because I am doing 65 other things because of my ADHD and like I cannot fully like focus on it. So I don't listen to a lot of fiction stuff because you really have to like pay attention. Um, I have been having trouble falling asleep and I'm trying not to like 
watch something to fall asleep. I'm trying, and I was like, well, I want to listen to something, but, like, I don't want to listen to my usual, like, funny comedy podcast. And I ended up turning to an old horror fiction podcast that I had been a fan of um, a couple years ago. And it is called Knife Point Horror, um, which is produced and narrated by... Um, Soren Narnia, which I do not believe is his real name. I don't know for sure, but it does not sound like a real name, and I don't mean that disrespectfully. It just feels very much like a pen name. And the reason why I love this podcast in particular for like falling asleep is because it's just him, and it's not very produced. It's just like a guy in a microphone, maybe a little bit of like music under it sometimes, but he also has an incredibly soothing voice. Okay. And it's this, it's, it's his voice paired with the fact that the stories that he is telling are all in the first person and they are all incredibly unsettling. They are not necessarily like horror terrifying, but they remind me of liminal spaces as stories the way that he kind of constructs the worlds of his stories, they all feel very bleak and they also feel a lot of them. So not a lot of them, but there's a couple like episodes that I've listened to that are the four, he plays with the format, like in this one episode that I really love called the smoke child, which is actually kind of like a supernatural slasher story, but in a very weird format, it's a guy presenting a slideshow and he's narrating a slideshow of crime scene photos and you're trying to figure out what's going on. And then it kind of, as it goes on, he reveals what happened, but he, it's, he's, it's like, he's presenting it very matter of factly to a crowd of people. And so, and it's like presented as a recording of his presentation. And so it's just like really interesting ways of playing with audio format and okay. all, but also the stories are just incredibly weird and chilling in a way that like, you know, if you listen to the No Sleep podcast, I have not listened to them in years, but a lot of the stories are more traditionally like spooky, scary, very produced. And that's not bad, but like that is one kind of like audio horror thing. But this one is much more like low key and much more haunting to me. Um what I love about this, though, Mary Beth, is that you have chosen to listen to something that you've described as unsettling and haunting to fall asleep to. I think that is fantastic and hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I can't really push back on that other than, like... <laughs> I just think it's it's fun. I think that's great. Has it been working? Has it been helping? It has. Isn't that neat? It really that has That is really been. neat. See? Horror it's saving neat. lives. Saving sanity. <laughs> and it hasn't... It's given me a couple weird dreams, but nothing... Ba- like, see? I see, that's what I would nightmares. think. I, I wasn't sure. But I have night. I have pretty bad nightmares. But not when I listen to the horror podcast. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. 
Meanwhile, Perperine is in chat saying, last night I dreamt that the ghost of Frank Sinatra was trying to possess her. That's... Amazing and horrifying, kind of, in a way. I don't remember my dreams, typically. Steve doesn't either. And I, every night, I'm like, here, I had this whole fucking scenario happen. And Steve is like, how do you remember all of this? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, knife point horror. Uh, I, The Smoke Child is a very good episode, but it is not like indicative of the style that i love about it necessarily but the one okay. that i would recommend because you can they're really self-contained right yeah self-contained so you can listen to all of that like you can listen to that of order um he's been doing it since 2011 so there's a lot yeah. of episodes which is nice um but the one that i really really like and I can, i'm so sorry give me two seconds because i can't remember its name Outcast is very good. And Outcast, Outcast, where did it go? Well, now I just can't find it. <laughs> this is really, really good podcast recording. Me scrolling through my podcast app while talking on a podcast. It's just like really quite meta and really. Okay, here it is. Presence. That haunted house story. Okay. But like deeply unsettling. All right. So yeah. I'm gonna have to give it a go because I, you know, I, I think um, because I do, I have a commute. My commute is less than it used to be, but it's still about 25, 30 minutes. So like, that's where I do listen to like audiobooks and I do listen to a lot of this kind of stuff because while if I'm at home, I'm not typically listening to podcasts or books or any of that kind of stuff. Cause I'm doing something else. So like that is my time I'm to, to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, yeah, I don't, I, I can't, I, if I want to, if I'm listening to something, I want to be able to give it to my full attention. And I find that it really helps when I'm driving to like make the time go by quick. And also I don't have anything to distract me so I can listen to it in full. So like, I'm going to have to add some of these onto my my uh, my phone so I can listen to them. Give them a try. Highly recommend it. Um, do, 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 or for falling, I don't know, for falling asleep. I'm not really sure how, how, if I can recommend that to anybody, but. Hey, it's working for you, and that's the important thing. His voice is just so good. Um, Anywho, Zol. The best Metroidvania in a long time. I would love to hear about this. Okay. Tell me more about this. Please If thank you, you follow me, listen to the couple times I've talked about them, Metroidvania is my favorite type of video game. It is a portmanteau of Metroid and Castlevania smashed together. And it is a video game... I guess they call them the genres. It I, I don't know. It feels weird coming from film where genre is like horror or, you know, comedy. And you go to video games and it's like genre is third person adventure or, you know, Metroidvania. But it is a genre of video game in which it's all about exploration. They're typically side scrollers. So they're typically like the old Mario games. But like there's like a huge map 
and you explore it room by room and you uncover the map of wherever you're, you're at and you get powers that allow you to further explore and go back to areas you've already been through to like find new doors or new ways and new secrets to like continue and it just makes this whole big enthralling like beehive of a map of this big area that is just all interconnected and I love them so much. It is my favorite thing. If you give me a good Metroidvania, um, I will, I will just eat it up. Um, the last really good one that I remember playing is Hollow Knight, um, which I think matches up. Oh, like, okay. Which matches up like Metroidvania with like Dark Souls esque type um, combat and, and methodology. But this one is, in the long-running Prince of Persia series. This is Prince of Persia, The Lost <gasps> Crown. Oh, yeah! And I... We don't get enough games <laughs> like this. This um, was developed by... It's produced by um, Ubisoft, and it is from the team that made um, Rayman, um, in particular, oh. made the... The 2011 Raymond Origins, which was a side-scroller that was, like, perfection with platforming. And so you have that skill going into Metroidvania game. And let me tell you, the platforming in this, where you're jumping between obstacles... I shared a clip on, on Twitter that was like... Yeah, you did. Yeah, you fucking did. I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> what is happening right now? Like, uh, That whoop? is an early level puzzle. It, like, gets Shut even more complicated... Up. Are you and serious? Yes. Oh yes. god. Oh it like, god. It like just it, the Ooh. it's it's pitch perfect platforming, but it requires um, a couple a little bit of trial and error. But I'll tell you that it's always when you fail on something, it is always fair, and it is always just like just so smooth. The platforming in this game is so fucking smooth, and it's like it's it's a Prince of Persia story, but it's about um, Sargon, who is a young member of like this warrior clan named the Immortals. Um, in this case, Prince of the Prince of Persia, you typically play as him, but in this case, he's been kidnapped um, and taken to this Mount uh, Kof, I believe is how you pronounce it. And you have to go there and rescue him and figure out what's going on. Mount Kof has a lot of um, time. One of the kind of key ingredients for Prince of Persia games, um, particularly um, in the 21st century, is a focus on like time and manipulating time. And you get to this place and everything, time is operating in very weird ways. And you start to like get powers that um, sort of play with time. Um, there's this one beautiful beautiful area where you go out into this harbor and it looks like the whole world is frozen. Time has literally frozen. And there is like in the midst of a warship being blown apart. And there are pieces of debris and bodies just sort of frozen in time with this giant wave frozen in time. And it is absolutely stunning. The art design behind this game is just perfection. The platforming perfection, the Metrovania powers so good, so unique, so fun. I just, I love this game so much. This is so far, I mean, it's only the first two months of 2024, but this is the best game I have played. I mean, this year, which doesn't say much, but I do think that this has the potential for being my favorite game that I've played this year, depending on what comes out. Cause this was so fucking good. So fucking good. Hell yeah. Loved That's it. <laughs> it brought me complete joy. I That's finished so it last night. It took me about, I think I spent about 22 hours in it, and there's a couple things that I did not 
um, finish. So like there's a couple, I think probably would have been about a 25 hour game if I had finished everything. Um, but it's, it's great. It's meaty. It's fun. It's smooth as the animation is so good. It's just, I loved it. I loved it so much. And I don't think it's getting a whole lot of attention, which makes me sad because it is a really, really fucking good game. So it is available everywhere. Switch, PlayStation, Windows, Xbox. So it's it's everywhere. And I highly recommend it. Hell yeah. Okay. Wow. I know the clip you shared, I I obviously I you can see my hilarity. Like, oh yeah, oops, sorry, I didn't scroll up. Uh the clip was awesome, but I was like, that um looks terrifying. Uh, that, I love platformers, but platformers like that overwhelm me a little bit. <laughs> see, and and most of the, that type of thing um, is like the side mission. So it's not a requirement. It's usually like I was doing that to get a single coin. So like it's not necessarily like the difficulty is mostly in the areas in which you don't have to go. Like it is like a, an additional area to get an unlock or to get like a coin or to get like currency. Um, so it's not necessarily required to do it, but me, when I, when I get those things, I will keep playing at it until I get it. Yeah, I, I do like doing that, but it does. I mean, I'm playing Crash Bandicoot still. Like, that's a platformer in the same way. But it's just sometimes I'm like, I have to walk the fuck away before I lose my mind. Oh, um, <laughs> there is there is one puzzle thing um, that is, again, just a side quest that you don't have to do in this game that I spent probably two hours trying to beat. And it took me two nights because I literally had to put the controller down and walk away and be like, OK, I'm going to get at it again when I have a fresher mind and my hands aren't sweaty. Cause I was literally like just sweating, trying to get this. Yeah. Yeah. But that's my, I love those types of things. Like it's, it can be frustrating oh, yeah. in the moment, but like that feel of once you finally nail it and you get the pitch perfect, like placement and you just, yeah, it's, it's great. It's great. It is nothing more satisfying than that. That is for fucking sure. Yeah. Uh, all right, Dungeon Recipes. I'm very excited for this one because I haven't finally, started watching it yet. Yes, yeah. finally, I am talking about this this show uh, because I'm finally like fully hooked into it. Um, this this is the new Netflix anime, delicious and delicious, delicious in dungeon, uh, which I think is. I can't remember the Japanese name, like what the name was for the manga. Um, But regardless, it is a silly, another silly, another like fantasy D&D kind of esque inspired anime. But unlike Freerin, which I'm loving, it is much sillier. And I... This seems um, to be like a a, a popular um, genre right now. Just sort of like... Yeah, Animated so there's always been a tackling. lot of fantasy. Um, it's always been pretty fantasy heavy, but I think some of the more popular ones are definitely very fantasy heavy right now. Especially, like, particularly like Dungeons and Dragons esque fantasy, like a party with these. Yeah, it's definitely like very hot right now. Um, 
So this one follows um, a party, and it is a brother and a sister, along with an elf mage, and then they have a little, uh, like, a thief. And they're fighting a dragon, and um, the guy's sister sacrifices, sacrifices herself so they can escape. And in this world, you can resurrect people, but you have to have their bodies. If you can do, res- like, you, you can do resurrection magic, but you have to have the body. Um, it's, like, common. To, it's, like, when you die, you, re- you can respawn as long as someone can actually respawn you. But oh, they, okay. and within a week, within a week. So you have a week to be respawned. Or and if not, then you are donezo. Um, so they are trying to get to the level of the dungeon to save the sister from the belly of the dragon. <laughs> And along the way, they meet a dwarf who loves to cook. And the problem with dungeons, it is very hard to find food. And dungeon rations suck shit. And so, essentially, what they start discovering is, oh, wow, like, these, all of these creatures and monsters in the dungeon can actually be cooked to create delicious meals. Because this dwarf has learned all of these culinary skills. And if you've seen the memes online, the big, tall fighter boy is a freaky freak who loves to eat dungeon creatures. Um, yeah, so hold on, let me get... I, I, I'm really bad at names sometimes with these shows, um, slash with shows in general. I don't know why. Um, but, uh, well, that doesn't fucking help me. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, Lausch. Lausch is a swordsman. Um, and Mar- Marcel Marseille is uh, an elven mage, and Shilchuk is a halfling locksmith. And then they have their dwarf homie. But um, Laos is a freak who loves eating creatures in the dungeon, and Marcel does not like eating creatures, so there's always that... Fu- it's, like, it's very comedic in like, mm-hmm. his obsession with dungeon creatures versus her complete aversion to it. But it also has these incredible... like incredible moments of like the studio Ghibli like beauty shots of food yeah. with like the names on it and everything. And um it's it's sillier than I was anticipating. And because we were watching Free Rin and I was loving that, I was like, oh Free Rin is so much better. But then the third episode happened and that's when it click it'll probably click for you sooner, but the third episode that involves um suits of armor that can move on their own. Um yeah in a very hilarious way, uh, it got me. So there's, like, each episode is, like, a recipe, essentially. Like, there's a storyline that carries it through, but it's almost like, you know, not Monster of the Week, but kind of, while also mm-hmm. having a bit of a plot line to, like, push them through the dungeon. But, yeah, um, it always, it usually ends with like a delicious spread of like of food made from what they just defeated. <laughs> are they in the same dungeon or do they like, are they visiting different dungeons or how, how is the like, that they are moving work? different. They're, they're moving down levels of the down dungeon. levels. So the okay. way that it works is like, they're moving down each. Excuse me. There's like a whole system of how the dungeons work and like how far down you go. And, but yeah, they go down. And this one, they are in one particular dungeon because that is where this dragon is that ate uh, Laos's sister. And so they are going down 
as many levels as possible to find the dragon. Um, gotcha. Yeah. I really want to watch this. Um, I I have a problem where if I start watching something and it it's like it's short and it's weekly, then I I have a chance of falling off of it. So I've been waiting for there to be like a good number of episodes that so I can get myself hooked on it. And I think there's five out right now. Yes. Um, do you know who Sung Woon Sung Won Cho is? Pro Z D. I am horrible with names. He Pro Z D. He did like he's a YouTuber. He has like like a very deadpan affectation. He's like he's got glasses. He's an Asian guy, and he like has okay. a kind of a deeper voice. Mm-hmm. Um, but now he's a voice actor, and he voices oh. uh, the dwarf in it. And he also uh, voiced. He has done a couple of vo- other voice acting roles. He um, was the voice of a robot in Pluto last year. But he's really good okay. as like uh, as Senshi, the dwarf warrior who just like loves to cook. Heck yeah. So yeah, it's very good. It's wholesome. Uh, it's on Netflix. There's a new episode coming out every week. And yeah, highly, highly recommend. I'm very um, excited. It's called uh, Danjun Meshi is what it is uh, called in Japanese. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, and to wrap this out with a beer, Bruce LeBru says, hold my beer. Tell me more about All right. this. All right. So, for those who don't know, Bruce LaBruce is a um, he's a he's a queer director who yeah. came up through the queer core movement of the the eighties, which was like a punk queer punk movement um, that was very anti-establishment, very much like fuck heter- um, heteronormativity, and also. On on the opposite side of things, homo normativity. So like the idea that like we have that queer people should be the same as straight people. He's very much um, a director operating in avant garde space that is very political um, in his films and does not like does not like um, political correctness. He tackles a lot of um, very avant-garde uh, topics for instance um some of his movies like there's one from 2013 called Ger- gerontophilia which is about this young queer man who begins to explore his attraction to old men while he's working in a nursing home and I'm, so old old men um so there's that he's made a couple horror films or horror adjacent ones one is auto or up with dead people which is about a neo-goth oh. zombie who yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard of that one. Ends up getting filming in a zombie porno. Um, so, like, the line between pornography and art is always straddled with his film, sometimes more into the pornographic, to the point that I believe he did um, at least one thing, a couple things maybe, for Cocky Boys, which is a, a queer porn studio. Um, so, like. Oh, no way. I thought this yeah. was a name like Cocky Boys. <laughs> right? Isn't that shocking? It sounds so wholesome. <laughs> it sounds so wholesome. But yeah, so he he definitely plays in that realm. And he has a new film that is has just premiered at um Berlinale? Berlinale? Oh, uh, Berlinale. 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 So it just premiered at Berlinale. Uh, and 
I just got a random email out of the blue asking about some queer films that were going to be playing there. And one of them was The Visitor by Bruce LeBruce. At the same time... <laughs> the poster is so fucking funny. I'm just saying that now. For, for but, The Visitor? Yes. Yeah, so... <laughs> the Visitor is a queer and um, pornographic... I'm going to say that I believe that this is, <laughs> based on what I'm seeing, unsimulated sex... Um, film that is basically a satire of Tio Rema, um, which I had never seen, but um, was like, before I sit down to watch this, I'm going to watch it for the first time, which you and I had talked about Tio Rema because you brought it up in the discussions about Saltburn. And so I was like, wow, synchronicity. I'm going to find the Rema was on the Criterion channel. I was going to bring that up. I was like, yeah. oh, very interesting. Yeah. And so in Rema and in The Visitor, well, in The Visitor more so. The vis- Okay. The Visitor is about this bunch of suitcases that end up getting dropped around or somehow end up in the UK. And they sort of pulsate. And there is a human being inside this each of these suitcases called the visitor and so we have that going on the the movie opens with some right-wing nut job talking about how refugees are going to ruin the uk and it just like is this whole long diatribe about it while we see these suitcases birth out a naked black man who is the same in each one um who is obviously a refugee to this, to this country. And the one that we follow ends up going to work at this rich house where we have the same thing as in Tiorema. There is the father, the daughter, the mother, the son, and the maid. And he goes about fucking each one of them. And in Tiorema, like it's implied and there is some that is obvious, but like here it's like, now, we are going to have <laughs> a pornographic menagerie of of sex. And outside of that, it is a very campy and very over um, overacted, but to a point to like a specific point. Um, and it, it follows the same plot pattern of Teorema, where we have like the maid that is mowing the grass. And in this case, like in the original Teorema, like the camera just keeps focusing on the visitor's crotch in his, in his pants here. He is like literally lounging in briefs and nothing else. And is like almost like to the point of like hip thrusting the air while the maid, um, who they're all the characters are genderqueer and very like playing with male presenting people in female um, regalia and vice versa. Like it is, it is definitely like you, you don't know the gender of any of these, these real characters, but we have the maid who is like mowing while he, he, they cannot stop looking at his crotch. And it just, it takes the, the, what is happening in Tiorema and ups it to, camp level aesthetics and I'm not a hundred percent sure how I feel about the movie. Um, but it is an experience. And I think those who enjoy Bruce LeBruce's work will 
find a lot to enjoy here. In fact, like there's what, what I find very funny is in some of the, the porn scenes, there's like basically like idioms of that people shout at the time. Like, okay. The sexual re- revolution of the proletariat is one thing that gets like blasted in like sh- shining letters on the scene while they're fucking or, um, complicity of the Dom proletariat or anal liberation now, or let Jesus fuck you. Because at one point he has a dildo that is literally the crucifix, but a, a black penis on the other end. And he is fucking <laughs> anally fucking someone with it. Open borders, open leg legs. Um, Get your knickers in a twist. Eat out the rich. A new sexual vision for the UK. Like, these are all things that are, like, being blasted on the screen while this is happening. And it's it's just, it's really kind of silly and campy. But at the same time, like, I feel like there's a message here that is purely Bruce LaBruce's typical modus operandi. So, I don't know if it'll ever play here. Because of like, I because I don't I don't, I don't know, how, know if it will ever play here. I don't know how they would cut around to make it acceptable for American audiences. I don't know how. I don't know the distribution. What how, if it? I could see it being you know released on on a porn site. Honestly, because like they just it has. I wondered if Alter Innocence will do something with it. That would be amazing. I could see it on Vinegar yeah. Syndrome, honestly. I could see a physical release yeah. on on their their label with Altered Innocence. Yeah, one of the posters is a <laughs> pair of feet with vaginas on the bottom of them, so that's pretty weird. Yeah. Yeah. There is there is um at one point feet fucking. So it makes sense for what is Sometimes it's... Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I I'm I'm I have dipped my toes in Bruce LaBruce's work. Um, I d- believe on on Little Cuts I did talk about um, Saint Narcisse, which came out I think yeah last year oh, or the year yeah. before. You did um, I think yeah 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 yeah. Which is um, about a young man that discovers he has a a twin, and sexy yes. times happen. And it's that <laughs> movie was like more of one of. Considering that it is about <laughs> twincest, it is one of those movies that that I think is probably his most mainstream that I've seen, which is saying something considering what I just said. Um, but then this is so not <laughs> in any way, shape, or form <laughs> mainstream. And I just, I don't know. He seems like I would love to get him on the podcast at some point because he just seems like a, an interesting person. I think there would be a very good conversation to be had with him. <laughs> Sick. Yeah. So Bruce LeBruce saying hold my beer because like it's like, we've had so much discussion about sex and the how people are upset with like salt burn. Yeah. Or like, oh, Saltburn is sucking up cummy water. And Bruce is like, really? Let me show you some queer cinema. (laughs) Do you see what I mean about Tiarema and Saltburn? Oh, absolutely. 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 But like from the perspective of the guy. Anyway. Obviously, Tiarema was like definitely influenced Emerald Fennell with 
or fennel. Oh, there's no way. The fennel. There's no fennel. fucking way. Fennel, yeah. fennel, whatever. Who knows? Uh. Okay. Well, look. I love that. Saltbird, hold my beer. Yeah. Here's how you do it for real. If you uh-huh. really want to be subversive. And this movie sure is subversive. Love that. Uh, I need to watch more of his stuff. I think. Me he's he's an interesting one and i i think like i just i think he's in i think he's an interesting person because of coming up through the queer core movement um and he he, he mm-hmm. is definitely even you know that was in the 80s so now we're you know 40 years later and he is still using that aesthetic he's he has not changed his his sort of style or what he is discussing in his films he just i don't know he seems like an interesting character but. Sorry. <laughs> Mary Beth's having body pain. Um, <laughs> hell yeah. Well, I am trying to watch way more queer stuff, so here we go. <laughs> Maybe start with Otto or um, L.A. Zombie, if you are curious about his work. And that okay. is like... I mean, that's not okay. like... that is That is almost jumping in in the deep end, but like... Maybe I like don't, the, it doesn't sound like there's like a way to like really start. I mean, ironically, being like, if you just want to yeah. dip your toes in, Saint Narcisse is probably his most um, of the ones I've seen. His most um, reformed or reformed, not reformed. His most like main refined. Thank you, Purpura. Uh, his most refined type of film, and it is. It feels like a. I mean, I, I, this is going to sound pejorative, but it feels like a real movie, like telling a story. Do you know what I mean? As opposed to more of the avant-garde art, avant-garde art stuff. You, do you know what I mean? Okay. Like, yeah. Like, so it doesn't, a lot of the time <laughs> when like the avant-garde stuff, it feels more like scenes kind of mm-hmm. like loosely stitched together rather than like a full plot. Cause the whole point is like the aesthetic experience, yes. aesthetic experience over narrative style over substance. And yeah. 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 But cool. well, sweet. Yeah. All right. So who are we talking with next week? <laughs> Mary Beth, for our main so, feed episode. Next week we are chatting with uh, Nick Toady and Rachel Kempf. Two of the filmmakers behind the found footage film, It Doesn't Get Any Better Than This. They are also the founders of the indie press, Die Die Books. And they brought with them the 1983 animated special, Mickey's Christmas Carol. Yeah. (laughs) Which is actually a very fun conversation because they know a lot about it. And also Nick loves Christmas specials. So it's, it's, it's a fascinating conversation. Christmas isn't until we say it does. Scarred for life, and you know, I was thinking about the 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 release model, and you guys will listen to it as we as we get into it. For it doesn't get any better than this, and what a very analog way of presenting a movie. Do you know what I mean? With like the yeah, its release model, but yeah, more on that next week. More on that next week. Um. All right, friends, you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. 
Did you watch, play, or listen to anything that we did this week? Do you have suggestions for things we should be covering? Uh, you can let us know by sending us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us directly on social media. I am at mbmcandrews on Twitter and at mb.mcandrews on Instagram. And I'm at Gaily Dreadful. And of course, gotta follow the podcast. We are at Sky Podcast on Blue Sky and Twitter and at Scarred for Life Podcast on Instagram. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. And don't forget to help support us through Patreon if you'd like to. Oh, thank you, Derek Power, for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. <laughs>